The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in the boat by themselves to a deserted place. People saw them leaving and how many came to know about it. They hastened there on foot from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. The Gospel of the Lord. Here's what I'd like you to do and consider about the readings today. One is about prophecy and fulfillment in surprising ways. The second is about what the church is. And so start with prophecy. The first reading is from Jeremiah. Jeremiah, during his lifetime, is one of the hated prophets. They ended up basically murdering him in Egypt. But he was also a prophet, besides a prophet of condemnation of the sins at the time, he was a prophet of hope. And so in that reading today, he says that thus saith the Lord, you've got bad shepherds, they mislead you. I'm coming myself to shepherd my people and I will appoint shepherds to work with me. Well, This is the prophecy of the Messiah. But it's also what Jesus does when he sends his 12 out. Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy, the incarnation. God becomes a human being. Jesus does what Moses does and what King Solomon does and what, uh, it it just how leadership in the Old Testament, he appoints his 12 to organize the church. This is the same pattern you see in the book of Exodus and in 1 Kings. And so Jesus isn't inventing something new. He's just redoing what's been done in the Old Testament and fulfilling the prophecy of Jeremiah. But if you simply look at the church or you look at what Jesus did as building the institutional roots of the Catholic church, then you're reading the scriptures too narrowly. It is true that this is where the bishops come from. Historically, as the fault that those that are appointed by the apostles in a consistent, traceable sequence over 20 centuries. But it's what they're supposed to do in Jeremiah. They're supposed to be good shepherds. They're supposed to do what the good shepherd himself did. So to understand that, look at the Gospel of Mark as an image of what the good shepherd does. And so in the reading today in chapter 6, it's just the disciples coming back after being very successful. They've healed people, they've cast out demons. But if you just focus on that, 
you don't see Mark's point. Here's what I'd like to propose for you. If you would go home and read chapters 4, 5, and 6, that is not a big homework assignment. That will take you less than 10 minutes to do, but you will understand what I'm saying. There are two bookmarks, one at the beginning and one at the end. And you have to pay attention to the bookmarks and then what happens in between. That's where prayer and meditation on the church occur. Here's the first bookmark, the end of chapter 4. If you remember chapter 4, we were in it just about three or four weeks ago. Do you remember Jesus talks about the kingdom of God? That's why you know 4, 5, and 6 are about the kingdom of God because Jesus says it's like a sower going out to sow seed. I've repeated it several times. Some falls on good ground, grows up. Some gets trampled. Some gets eaten by birds. Some gets choked out on, on the weeds. When you get to the end of chapter 4, it's the story of Jesus getting in the boat with the guys, the 12 apostles, and they're, cross, they're crossing the, the Sea of Galilee, and they're heading for the land of the Gerasenes. And if you remember, the big storm comes up. Everybody remembers this. Jesus is asleep in the boat, and they get terrified, and they wake him up saying, this is a great way to wake up. Aren't you concerned at all that we're perishing? I mean... Hopefully nobody in your house wakes you up like that. But Jesus just rebukes the winds, right? He does what God does. Who can calm the winds but God? According to Job, it's based on Job. And then he turns to the guys and he goes, why are you terrified? Have you no faith? And now we're off. You turn the page and you're in chapter 5. It's just getting dawn. The boat pulls into the land of the Gerasenes. It's the Decapolis. It's a place that's inhabited both by Jews and Greeks. And you really don't know who Jesus is encountering because it doesn't make it very clear. But it's mixed religions and ethnicities, Judaism and paganism, side by side. He hops off the boat. He walks up the beach, and he's in a graveyard. Do you remember this story? The crazy man possessed by a legion of devils comes out. What have you to do with me, Jesus of Nazareth? And he's cutting himself with stones. They can't chain him down. And do you remember that Jesus casts the demon out? And he goes into the pigs. And then the pigs run off the cliff. And they all drowned. And then the, the people from the town come out and ask him please to leave because he's bad for the local economy. This is the story, right? The story of the storm on the sea and the story of the garrison demoniac where he is rejected and told to leave. I said there were two bookmarks. Now you turn to the end of chapter 6, which is only three chapters later. And what do you find? And I will explain the in-between. What do you find is, after chapter 6 ends, the guys get in a boat, they're crossing the sea, and they're alone. Jesus is not with them this time. He's not asleep in the boat. But a storm starts to, to come up. They get terrified. It's like one of those sitcoms. You already know it's going to happen. 
And they're all alone. And what happens is, Jesus comes walking by them on the sea. And it's from 1 Kings, God passing by. Well, doesn't that sound like the story of the storm at sea? The difference is, he's not in the boat, but he's still there. The I am. What's that story saying about his divinity? Is God only in your boat if you can see him? You turn the page. Can you guess where they end up? Any ideas? You've been watching American sitcoms your whole life. The land of the garrisons. Do you see why I say it's two bookmarks? Like bookends. And he hops off the boat. He walks up the beach. And what happens? The people come from everywhere. They bring their sick. They bring their lame. And they ask him just to lay hands on him. Storms at sea. Rejection and acceptance. Amongst the same people. So what happens between these two bookends? And that's about the gospel today. Well, you go back to chapter 5. 4, 5, and 6. These three chapters. I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version. If anybody even remembers Reader's Digest. The synagogue official comes up. Says, my daughter is dying. Please come. Jesus says, yes, and he takes off to go with him to his daughter. Meanwhile, a woman who is bleeding profusely comes and just touches his cloak and is healed. Do you remember this? Power has gone out of me, Jesus says. Then he comes up to the house and everybody says, what are you doing here? She's already dead. Nobody can conquer death. And he walks in and he takes mom and dad and they're there by his side. When he says, daughter, Talitha kum, rise. It's the Aramaic word that is translated in the scriptures as anastasis. But the words that Jesus said were talitha kum. And we know that because Peter was an Aramaic speaker. But why do I say it's translated as anastasis? Because that's what we translate as resurrection. You see, you got to know something at least about the language, right? And so think about the story. The woman who bled for 12 years, she can't be part of the community because she has blood and nobody can come in contact with her. She's excluded. When Jesus heals her, she's back in the community. The little girl who's dead, she's out of the community in a bigger way, right? And when she rises... She's back in. What does the good shepherd do? He gathers people from the peripheries. The leper you can't touch. The woman who bleeds that you can't touch. The dead that are beyond your help. Then you turn the page. And you're in chapter 5. It's like a virtual reading, isn't it? And what's the story? It's just two Sundays ago. You remember it. He comes to his hometown where everybody knows him. And what happens when he's got there in his hometown? Who is this? Isn't he just a handyman? We know his brothers and sisters. We know his mom. Come on. Get over yourself. 
And he says, no prophet is accepted in his own place or his own home. The idea is, if you get so familiar that you have God in your pocket, you always know what God is going to do. And Catholics can do that just like first century Jews. It's the human condition. Then what could God ever do for you? Because you already know what the next move is. It's like that conversation you have in your head and you show up to see the other person and you say, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and I know what you're going to say. Blah, 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 blah. But I will tell you this. Blah, 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 blah. Conversation over. I say it makes it for a very easy relationship because the other person never has to talk. If you can't ever let God do something, if you can't ever be surprised, what good could ever come to you? And so, Jesus walks out of the synagogue, and what's he do? Now we're getting into the neighborhood of today's gospel. He's been accepted. Does he go home with his mom and pout? No, turns to the guys and say, all right, I've given you an example of what you do. When you go to a town, you're accepted, then you stay there and you preach. If they reject you, you shake the dust from your feet and you move on. This is about spreading the word. And I've just shown you about acceptance and rejection. Rejected by the Gerasenes, accepted by the woman that bled, accepted by the daughter that died, rejected by my own. You've learned something about evangelization. Now get out there and show me you can do it. This is interesting. Today's gospel is not the next story. There's a story in between. It's just interesting how Mark puts his gospel together. He chose these stories in this order. And you, this is why you pray. And you think about it. The next story, for some reason, starts talking about King Herod. And he's wondering who Jesus is. Then he thinks that he killed John the Baptist because this little girl did a dance for him. And now we're back to Jeremiah, killing the prophets, not listening to someone who tells us something we don't want to hear. Because if we don't want to hear it, it obviously cannot be true. And that puts us right in the pews with all the people from Nazareth, right next to the seat of King Herod. Expect a surprise from God. And then that's the gospel today. The guys come back. People have actually listened to this. They're surprised. But people have actually listened to this. In fact, in three centuries, Christianity overtook Rome. Pagan temple after pagan temple closed or was converted into Catholic churches. Who would have seen that coming? The only thing we have close in our own time is for those of us who lived in the Cold War, who never expected the Soviet Union to fall. And then in 1989, God did something. If you go to Fatima, one of my favorite things about Fatima, you have to see this. As you walk out of the main plaza, you look over to the left, and there's a trophy case. Big wood glass, just like you'd have in your home, except it's huge. You know what's in it? A piece of the Berlin Wall with all the the graffiti on it. I didn't get close to it, but I think it said, Our Blessed Lady's Trophy Case. 
surprising things that we take for granted. Now back to the gospel. How the gospel ends is when Jesus sets everybody down, divides them into small groups, and then sends his guys out to feed them. Jesus doesn't feed them. Jesus is the one that multiplies the loaves and the fishes. The guys do the distributing. It's why we say the priest at the altar is persona Christi, right? It's God that confects the Eucharist. We just distribute it. And then they get in the boat. There's a storm. Jesus walks by. They go to the land of the Gerasenes, and everybody accepts Jesus. Do you think there's something in there about how the church operates? Something in there about how human beings are? Is what you want from Scripture is a series of rules? Predictions about what's going to happen? Or do you want to see the image of what God's doing in the world? You don't get too down about rejection. Don't get overly excited about acceptance. You just keep moving on, doing what we're supposed to do. And so this is how it works as I understand it. Pastors are out in front leading and teaching always trying to encounter the world and preach the gospel in a way that people can hear it. Pastors are amongst their people because the demands of the Catholic faith on each of us means we've got to do some changing. And that's why you need a supportive pastor, right? Anyone want to go into the confessional and get told why you're so awful? Or do you want to be told like I want to be told? John, I appreciate your trying. God may not relieve you of this sin today. It may not be six months till after you're dead, but it's coming. Because this is what the faith is. And then the shepherd's behind the sheep. He's looking for the disaffected, the disconnected, the ones that are dead, the ones that are bleeding, and the ones that are possessed. Because if you look at the stories I just told you, that's everything he did. <laughs>